0: Late night anger management class, this is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Marazzi, the pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between throwing it down on a Thursday night throw down. Is the Los Angeles Rams, throw the New England Patriots down. 24-3 was the Cam Akers show, 29 carries, 171 yards, four Cam Akers. Jared Goff didn't have to do a lot, but was efficient and effective and looked good early, leading them down the field. There was really no turning back uh, after that. Goff goes 16 to 25, a buck 37, touchdown, interception. Goff surprises everybody and actually rushes for a touchdown as well. And the guy that's supposed to rush for a touchdown, Cam Newton, did not. Cam Newton uh, shut down tonight, 9 to 16, 119 yards. Cam Newton rushing, just 16 yards rushing. The prop was 42 and a half, just five days after the Patriots hung 45 on the Chargers. Uh, The Rams step up, and the Rams win for the ninth uh, time this year. We're going to break down the Arizona Cardinal and New York Giant football game. Howard Balzer is going to step up and at SI.com in the house. And uh, it's been too long since we've spoken to Howard, and we appreciate him joining us in a late night to hours, but that's what's great. Howard used to be in St. Louis. Um, I don't know where he's been, like, recently. In the old days, I know he lived in St. Louis, but I know he set up shop in Arizona. So we got a little West Coast late night live action with Howard Balzer. We're going to run the table with Howard talk NFL football. Drew Martin is going to step up and in as well. We got college football uh, to break down. And yeah, I don't know. I don't understand these numbers. It's going to be one of these deals where I'm either really, really right or I'm really, really wrong. And similar to the Los Angeles Rams game tonight, in which I love the Rams, I I don't understand these numbers. You know, we people can tell me that the Utah Utes are a better football team uh, than the Colorado Buffaloes, but I don't like betting against four uh, and and0 football teams on their home field that are four and and0 against the spread, and they're only laying two and a half points against a team that has one win on the year, and they beat the Beavers. It's like, all right, you know, I right, could, you know, what, whatever, you know, you know, whatever. So, hey, give me the Colorado uh, Buffaloes and. Everybody, you want to keep on hating on Jared Goff and the Rams, keep on hating on Jared Goff and the Rams, and we keep on cashing tickets with it. You want to keep hating on one of the best damn coaches in college football, Clay Helton, then you do it, all right? It's pretty clear. You've got Nick Saban. You've got Dabo Sweeney. And then there's that next tier where it's Clay Helton's right there. Yes, the weed is good where I am. Go, Trojans. (laughs)
2: Go.
0: Rage it up. Sports Rage with Gabe Morensi. Rage all you want. And I'm going to turn it on. It's stop. Hey, wait a second. What are you doing? You're not betting. You know he's not supposed to bet. Come on, Jerry. It's a lock. Kramer, you've had this thing under control for almost three years now. Don't start again. But it's a lock. No. Late Night Anger Management class continues. I am Gabe Marenzi. Shout out to all of our radio affiliates. And uh, of course, we're coming to Sirius XM starting in 2021, first week of uh, January. We'll be uh, kicking it off. And uh, don't despair, though. All the radio affiliates that we're on right now will continue uh, to be on. So let's bring a man that you can hear right now on Sirius XM, NFL uh, radio, publisher of the All Cardinals site, SI.com, NFL uh, Cardinals Hall of Fame selector, and uh, a man Amanda, you know, we've, we've been speaking to him for a long time, but it's been too long. Mr. Howard Balzer joins us. Howard, uh, happy holidays. Thanks for joining us, Howard. Uh, thanks for joining us in the late night hours. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Doing great. Glad to be with you once again. As you said, happy holidays to uh, everyone out there. And of course, most important, in this wild 2020 that everybody can't wait for it to be over. Uh, make sure you have a, <laughs> safe, a safe and healthy uh, holiday, because that is uh, certainly a, a paramount in this country.
0: So Howard, I'm gonna, you know, I don't want to date you or myself for that matter. But I was bringing up earlier. I said, man, Howard, I think was there like day one on ESPN. But I was talking about, you know, when I used to, you know, used to come on my show routinely, and I'm sure, you know, you've done, you know, thousands of, you know, weekly hits uh, over the years. But you know, we used to talk quite often. And it was, uh, you know, the USA Today days, uh, USA Today era. And you were in St. Louis. And I was just thinking tonight, I'm like, man, I like the synergy here. You're in St. Louis when the Rams are there. Now you're in, in, in Arizona with the Cardinals there. You get this? You have, you have a connection to the Rams and the Cardinals somehow, Howard, wherever you go.
2: <laughs> no, no doubt. No doubt. And I've written about that a couple of times since arriving here. You know, I started doing the website back in March but didn't come to Arizona until September, right? The Labor Day weekend, in fact, right before the start of the regular season. But, of course, when I moved to St. Louis, yeah, you talk about dating people, 42 years ago. And when I moved to St. Louis, of course, the Cardinals were there. Uh, Ten years later, they uh, absconded for the desert. A few years after that, after St. Louis didn't get an expansion team, I actually left St. Louis for a year and a half to work in Las Vegas for a national radio network. And then came back to St. Louis in June of '95 uh, with the Rams relocating to St. Louis, and so relocation is a part of my thing too, in terms of the teams. Because so I came back to St. Louis, Rams there 21 years, then they leave, and a few years later, this, a few years later, I guess you could argue the circle is complete. And in fact, I wrote last weekend that the circle totally became complete when I was at the game between the Cardinals and the Rams. Uh, in, in, <laughs> wow,
0: yeah, that's amazing.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and yeah, I thought, so, like yeah. I said, Howard, yeah, right before the show tonight, I'm like, you know what? Because I always sort of associated you with the Rams at the time. We used to talk the Ray, you were in St. Louis. You were national, but we talked a lot of Rams. I was, it's amazing. You know, he's in Arizona now and St. Louis Cardinals. And I just started to connect the dots. So let me ask you, what was your first year covering the National Football League? Like, what's the first Super Bowl that you were covering? Not specifically at, but covering. What was your first year covering NFL football, Howard?
2: The first year was 1976, and I was working for a football weekly football newspaper located in Long on Long, in Long Island, New York, called College and Pro Football News Weekly.
0: And yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. Working, I used to buy it.
2: Yeah, working that for the NFL, and then it, then in the January of '78. Uh, went to St. Louis, not to cover the NFL off the bat, but to do their statistical books that they published uh, at the time. And then I started, you know, I suggested one day, I was there in January 78, it was about maybe 14 months later, I suggested uh, to the managing editor that the sporting news, of course, the Bible of baseball, I said, we should be covering football more. We have a little coverage. We should be doing more, especially in the off season when we don't have, anything in the paper, we should at least have a page of kind of notes, what's going on around the league. I'll never forget. Now remember, the Sporting News at the time was mostly the contributors were writers from from other newspapers all around the country. That's most of the people who wrote for the Sporting News. So the managing editor says to me, well, who could we get to do a column like that? So I said, well, being bold and being a younger guy at the time, I said, well, I could do that. And he said, okay. And that truly was in effect the launch of, of my career in effect because getting a real national exposure with the sporting news, then of course, a couple years later, end up on ESPN's first telecast of the draft in 1980. I started publishing a, a, a preview magazine for football and other sports. And so certainly uh, I owe uh, what has transpired pretty much in my career to that decision that day for the managing editor to have faith in me and say, yeah, go ahead and do it. Now, if I, if I sucked and hadn't been very good, be <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah, you know long, but. I, I'd
0: say from 76 to now, see how we're talking, um, I'd say you did pretty well. You've lasted. You know what I mean? You, you've lasted. I mean, here we are. But it's amazing, you know, and I'm sure you still enjoy it every much today's you, you still have over the years, right? That's You can't do something like you do as much as you do unless you love it.
2: No, no, no doubt, and that that's really the key. And I've I say often, and I you know I say it to when I speak at schools and the youngsters coming up and all that. There, there's never even with long hours and work until wee hours of the morning. sometime, I've never I've never considered it work. I've never felt I've never gotten up in the morning and said, oh man, I don't want to do what I got yeah, yeah, do. Yeah, 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 never. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's never happened. But I'll tell you, you know, I'm not a young guy anymore. I mean, I guess in the scheme of things, I am. Um, but I am on Medicare, and, and but end Social Security. But the point is that this has has kind of rejuvenated me, because the last four years, after the Rams left, here I was in a city without a team, still covering the league, but you know not having practice to go to, not going yeah, to games. Yeah, yeah. I go to the Super Bowl and just sitting home on Sunday watching, you know, the Sunday ticket in the red zone and all that, and keeping up on everything. Now it's, it's, you know, it's like the good old days going to practice. You know, the, the only, the only negative is that here's the crazy thing. I've been here almost a hundred days now, and I have yet to meet in person face to face, shake hands and say, Hey, want to introduce myself? Cause they see me on all the zoom meetings, whether it's the coach or the players or whatever, but I have yet to have an opportunity, even with the head coach, just to go up and even pump fists and say, Hey, just wanted to meet you face to face in person that has not happened in the three months that I've been in Arizona. So that's, that's kind of weird coming here and having all the protocols and all the ways things are being done, but obviously there's a reason for it. You accept it, but it is a whole lot different uh, covering a team. Now uh, when you're at the mercy of the teams of who you get to talk to uh, on a daily basis, you're not in the locker room, just meeting guys and kind of, you know, talking off the record and just getting some good insight. None of that goes on, and it totally changes uh, the way uh, this sport is covered by the by the guys and the and the women that are out there uh, watching practice and doing that every day.
0: Uh, SI.coms and SiriusXM. Uh, Howard Balzer are with us. What's your takeaway, Howard, from um, from Cliff Cliff Kingsbury? How outgoing is he with the media? How um, how forthright? You know, how what, what's he like to talk to? Uh, what, what's what what's your feeling? You've dealt with hundreds of coaches over the years. What's your takeaway from Coach Kingsbury? At least from your Zoom um, your your Zoom interactions?
2: He's not very forthcoming at all. He's very brief and succinct. Most of his press briefings don't last any more than ten or fifteen minutes, and. <laughs> I have been told by guys as I, as I've talked to some of the beat guys, he's much different one-on-one when you get a chance to talk to him. But of course we haven't had that opportunity. At least I, you know, no one has this year, but the guys who have been here before certainly have had it. I have not had that opportunity. So they say he's much better in, in, you know, whatever it is, it's, you don't get much of an explanation, even when you ask the direct questions. Uh, about he is friends history, with coach Belichick, be.
0: right? Howard. And we're going to a break here, but he is buddies with Belichick. So I guess, you know what I mean? Because people, I was
2: just thinking. I I will say this, though. I will (laughs) say this about Belichick. And I read a lot of the transcripts that. Hold that thought, Howard.
0: Hold this thought. Sorry, hold the thought. We're just going to a break uh, here. Howard Balzer with us. We'll get Howard's thoughts on Arizona and the New York Giants. Uh, His thoughts on Kyler Murray's shoulder. Larry Fitzgerald's status. And more. Late Night Anger Management Class continues.
1: So, join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You're listening to Sports Radio with Gabe <laughs> Come on, you stupid horse,
1: I got my last ten bucks on you. No, don't look at me. Run. No, don't come over here. Uh,
0: Oh, boy. Late Night Anger Management Class, this is Rage. I am Gabriel Maranci. As we stated, uh, shout out to the mightier 1090 crew. uh, Kicking it, tuning in right now in SoCal, everybody's uh, happy after a big win. So, uh, you know, we can go down memory lane all night with uh, Howard Balzer, but I want to pick his brain as far as uh, the league is concerned. So quickly, before we get to Arizona and New York, what's your takeaway from tonight's football game? My assessment I brought up, Howard, was I like the I like this. I like the new-look Rams. I like the two-tight end set. I like the smash-mouth approach. I like, you know, you limit golf a bit. I, and I like golf but you set him up in play action. And I brought it up earlier, Howard, I just like the fact that if the Rams, you play a high-scoring game, the Rams can get in a track meet, but they can also win a lower-scoring game. I don't know. Can they go on the road in cold weather and do this? Uh, I guess time will tell, but I think they're the second-best team uh, in the NFC. What's your take of the Rams, and what was your take of the game today?
2: Yeah, you make great points. And I was, As I was watching that game, I was thinking to myself that the Rams might be the best team in the NFC right now. Obviously, you have to prove it in the playoffs because everybody's playing all the best. But still, they've got that formula down, like you said. And the key is, I mean, they know now that they're going to stop teams. And so what they did a lot in this, I mean, I thought was as soon as when the first play of the game came and the rollout and it went for like 25 yards, whatever it was, to the tight end. And I'm saying that's what they that's what the Rams did to the Cardinals last week. And they just gashed them all game with those relatively simple plays, but making them work and then also being nine for 15 on third down. And so when you have that formula and Jared Goff's Goff's not turning it over, and I'm sure that's been the big, uh, you know, the big concentrate, the big focus in the last few weeks, no need to force things, no need if something's not there, don't make bad decisions. There's not, there's nothing wrong in the NFL. If you have to punt, we'll get the, you know, we'll stop them and get the ball back and have another opportunity. And most of the time, the Rams are stopping teams now. And that defense, if it's not the best, it's right it's very close to it in the NFL. And like you said, you can get in the close game and with that defense, with that offense being capable of doing what what it can, as long as they don't turn it over, then they're going to be a very, very tough out in the postseason. I do agree though, with what you with wondering about the uh, winning on the road, um, or in the cold. That's a big question, And you know what's funny about it, Gabe? A lot of people, I mean, f- four weeks ago, the jokes were aplenty about the NFC East. Now, yeah yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> now I'm thinking that most of these teams, whether it's well, it probably won't be New Orleans, they'll probably win the division. But if it's Tampa Bay, if it's the Rams, if it's you know maybe Seattle, Seattle, Seattle as, yeah. as, the, as the fourth wild card, should have to go to New York or Washington in January, boy, that's not something that I'd be looking forward to. And it was interesting this week, Bruce Arians said that I don't think there'll be a home field advantage this year in the playoffs because of the lack of fans. And I agree generally with that comment, but cold weather in January can be a home field advantage for teams. And so that's going to be real interesting to see how it all plays out.
0: I brought it up earlier in the week as well, I think, and we've seen in past years and how you've been around a long time. so. Remember, in the old days, there was a frozen thunder. You know, I was talking about, I'm a Bills fan, and the Jim Kelly days, They're always used to be in the playoffs and the games against Dan Marino, like 10 feet of snow shoveled on the sideline. You know what I mean? There's no snow. It's not like that anymore. It's raining or whatever. But this year, I think the winner is going to be a little bit more old school, and it could come into play. But you know this, how The Rams are a great road team. They're actually very good on the road. But, you know, we're just stating, you know, when, it, when it's nasty weather, you know, the Rams— uh you know, can can they tough this out? But they might not have to if they're playing against uh, New Orleans. So let's talk about Arizona. The wheels are sort of falling off right now. One in four last five. You know, the Hale-Murray pass, um, you know, so saves them against the Buffalo Bills. And there's been a lot of talk, Howard, about the shoulder. You know, the rushing attempts have been down, you know, and, oh, he doesn't want to run. He doesn't want to run. We have Dr. Chow on uh, routinely a couple of times a week, a longtime team doctor of the Chargers. And he said, you know what, I think it was a problem, but that's not really the issue uh, right now. Everybody focuses in on that. I talk about the Cardinals, simple injuries on the defensive line, on the defensive side of the football, starting to catch up to them a bit. But what's your take on the Cardinals? And is this salvageable right now? How big is this game against the New York Giants?
2: This, This very well could be the biggest game of the year. For them because a few weeks ago everyone's looking at that and saying oh that's an easy one not so much anymore especially with the way this team has been on offense and I don't I don't believe that I think it might have been the shoulder in the Seattle game when he heard it in that game and they kind of got very conservative and didn't want to put him in harm's way but after that I don't believe it's been an issue I think the offensive line has got outplayed by a couple of pretty good defenses. And of course the Rams are one. Now they're going to face another very good uh, defense and they're just they're, they, I mean, when you have four consecutive three and outs in the first half and here's the problem, when you're playing that up-tempo game, it's really fun. and It's great when it's working, but when it's not, you're putting your defense out there an awful lot. And the Cardinals had the ball for only seven minutes and 18 seconds in the first half against the Rams and they were still in the game. That was the amazing part of it, but the defense was out there all that, all that time. And so it ended up, uh, I, I think, I, I think the defense was on the field for something like 38 minutes. Well, you're going to get worn down. You're on the field for 83 plays. That's how ma- at 83 snaps. How, that's how many there were. So that's going to take a toll on a defense, especially one, as you point out, it's had some injuries and the depth has been uh, compromised. Uh, so, some positions there. There's one game. They went into the, they went into the game with only four healthy defensive linemen. Uh, Recent weeks, they haven't had many uh, healthy corners uh, because of, you know, all the injuries and, and all those things. So all of those things in combination have created a very difficult stretch for them. And after routinely getting over 400 yards for most of the season, the last two games, they haven't even reached 300. And so if something like that happens again, then they're going to be in danger of losing this game, obviously, to the Giants, unless the defense comes up with some big plays and turnovers that uh, can turn the tide. Uh, but this, this will be a tough one for us. They lose. They fall to 6-7. and seven. Obviously, we don't know what Minnesota will yep. do. We don't know what San Francisco will do. But what the heck? If Washington wins and the Giants win and the Cardinals lose, well, one of those teams is in the wild card race at 6-7. and seven. So that's what the Cardinals will be. So it's it's going to be a very interesting end of the season. And a, a lot of finger-pointing right now in Arizona. Uh, and, and you know how it is, Gabe. When a, when an offense struggles, no one wants to look at the offensive line. That's not sexy. It's easy yeah. to blame the play call yeah. and blame the quarterback. But there's always a lot of other things at play there. And here's another thing I'm going to mention. DeAndre Hopkins hasn't practiced this week. And as great as he is, but oh, man, how come, how is Tree? Oh, this, oh, that. DeAndre Hopkins, I'm going to estimate, has missed 30 to 40% of the practices the Cardinals have had since training camp started. And let's remember, they didn't have an offseason. So Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins haven't had a whole lot of time in practice together, really getting comfortable with each other. He's had some ankle injuries. He's had this, he's had that. He gets Veterans Days off on Wednesday. And when that's the case, and you haven't been playing together for four or five, six years, then it's going to take some time. And I think that has been a factor also in what's happened uh, with the Cardinals over these last couple of games.
0: Howard Balzer uh, with us, uh, Howard. So speaking of finger pointing, there's been a lot of finger pointing around the giant organization. And I was doing the show on the campus there, essentially out of uh, the Meadowlands racetrack, uh, FanDuel Sportsbook Meadowlands racetrack. We were doing the show there daily um, for a couple of years, essentially. And, you know the pandemic hit and you know there's limited people in there no fans now so we're not we're not there but so i you know i i drove past the practice facility and you know you know the complex etc so we were there all the time and there's so much negativity and there was no man it wasn't like uh, gettleman had a lot of currency with the with the locals there as far as his decisions and people wondered about daniel jones and i'm actually a pro danny Dimes. i like the kid Uh, But you know what I'm talking about. Gettleman was really on the hot seat. And then they come out of nowhere with Joe Judge. And then even I kind of rolled my eyes and thought, wow, out of everyone that was out there, you guys go Joe Judge, you know, Patriot, track record, hasn't been great in the past, and young guy, never been a head coach. It was a bold hire, but I know we're not through the season yet, so let's not start awarding, you know, coaches of the year and medals uh, or executive of the year, but the Mariners got called out pretty good for this, Howard. And I tell you, man, Joe Judge, he's kept this thing together, and you, you just see the improvement. Like, I noticed the improvement earlier in the year. Just I said, yeah, they're losing, but they're finishing tackles. They're getting to the ball faster. You just can tell progress of a football team, Howard. What's your take on Joe Judge and the job he's done?
2: For this reason, I am kind of glad to see it because I like – and I've, I've, I've called for more teams – to think outside the box when it comes to head coaches. Don't do what everybody does and just interview all the hot, you know, all the hot coordinators who are on good teams, the guys who are in their own kind of like bubble during the season in their, you know, the dark room with the lights and the tape because they're working on the game plan and you never really know how they will do in leading an entire team. And I've always said that, Teams should look more at guys who have been special teams coaches, and I know Judge did some other things other than that, but he was mostly a special teams coach. And special teams coaches coach more players on the roster than any other position than any other coach, and they and they have five or six different units, and there's different players on some of them, and they're constantly having to shuffle guys. And and when all of a sudden there's an injury and a guy gets called up from the special teams to start. Well, then that special teams coach has to find somebody else to fill that spot a lot of times because they don't want the guy who's starting playing 18-22 snaps a game on special teams. And so Joe Judge has had to work with that. John Harbaugh had to work with that. And I think more coaches, more teams should do this. And maybe what Joe Judge is doing will open up some eyes and we'll see some outside, more
0: outside Howard the Howard with the us. NFL. Howard, hang in here. We'll wrap up with Howard on the other side. Hang in here, Howard. Thanks for your time.
1: I've got some bad news for you.
3: know, uh, Marge, I'm waiting for the new XFL season. Who will win this
1: year's million-dollar game? Who? Who? Honey... The X is for extreme. There is no XFL this year. The league folded. What is it? Who told you? Last year's MVP. He sweeps up toenails at the beauty parlor.
0: Come on, Marge, that's, that's not true. That's cold, cold. Um, the <laughs> XFL MVP is actually the backup quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, P.J. Walker. He would have been the MVP, Howard. He would have been. What did you think of the Alliance League, uh, Howard? Howard Balzer with us. Man, that really picked up in St. Louis. So was it wasn't the battalions. They really responded, didn't they? The fan base and the football team was oh. pretty good, too. I enjoyed the league.
2: No, it, it was fun. The Battle Hawks in St. Louis. and oh, the Battle Hawks, yeah. I mean, they were, yeah, they were the only team in the league. That didn't have an NFL team in its city, and it was the perfect place to put one because a people love football there. Even though the Rams tried to tell the whole world that the city couldn't support football, but they also wanted to show it, and by coming out to the games, how they felt wronged by what the Rams did. And the unfortunate thing, game. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the game the, the 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 home game they were supposed to have against the Los Angeles team in the XFL, which was the week after the pandemic hit. Uh, the Battle Hawks were going when to, they, when they put yeah. a stop to the season on on Thursday or Friday of that, uh, that that week that was in mid-March, they were supposed to be on the road that week. But the next week, they were playing Los Angeles, and they had opened up the upper level of the Dome for that game. <laughs> and they yeah. had already had, at that point, 10 days before the game, Close to fifty thousand tickets sold. It was going to be unbelievable. It was unbelievable the first, the two games they had. The noise and the crowd, and the, yeah, like you said, it was a pretty good team. And I'll I'll say Jordan Tayamu, the quarterback, was every bit the player that PJ Walker was, but he was very good too. But man, the fans blew the lid off that dome. It was it was incredible to be at those games, and it was it was and you know the tailgating they had going on. The crazy part about it, Gabe, was. Thing I always wondered was you know they're playing in February, and I'm saying what's the weather going to be like? Not it didn't wasn't going to bother the game, but you wonder. I oh, suppose it's bad weather and people don't want to come out. Suppose there's snow. Well, the first game it was 58 degrees, the sun the, the Saturday the Sunday I think I forget, so it was I think it was Sunday whatever day it was Saturday or Sunday doesn't matter. The week after the Super Bowl is 58 degrees, the the streets are filled with people tailgating and partying, yeah. and it was just it was incredible. So. But they're coming back. The leagues, you know, with The Rock has said they're coming back in 2022. I would think St. Louis will have a team again, and I'll be enjoying it from afar uh, rather than being there for, uh, for that one. But who knows? Maybe I'll go back for a game or two.
0: Hard to believe, Howard. I've told, I've told people last live sporting event I was at New York Guardians, Los Angeles, uh, whatever they were called, Express, or I don't know. But <laughs> XFL.
2: I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you it's know, it was uh,
0: Johnson was the quarterback, uh, right? So um, yeah, yeah,
2: Josh Johnson.
0: Josh, Josh Johnson was the quarterback, yeah. And, um, yeah, I was at the game. I was at I was at MetLife Stadium. And I actually, and I'm like you, and I just love football. You know, the NFL, obviously, is elite and stuff, but it's, it has such a business feel to it. There's something fun just right. about going to a game and having some beers. And, you know what I mean? And I was at the Guardian game, and everyone had jerseys on, and I'm asking them. I said, man, what'd you get? The, what, you got a jersey already? And they were like, the Giants <laughs> and Jess both suck. I hate the NFL. This is for me. Cheap drinks, cheap jerseys, let's go, <laughs> right? Like, there's a market for that stuff, Howard. There really is. Like, there's a base of people
2: no,
0: that just want to go, you know, have some drinks, drink with their buddies. It's almost like just going to a bar or a wrestling event, and there's a game going. on. You know what I mean, Howard? They just, they want to go out and have fun. They don't, it doesn't have to be a business all the time, and Ooh, are we going to the Super Bowl? No, we're going to have fun at a sporting
2: event. No, I I agree 100%. And you might have watched, I don't know if you watched the game on TV, I think it was in Washington. And Oliver Luck, the commissioner, was there. And they were doing the beer cup. Yeah, the beer cup thing where they were passing them and making this giant. And he was adding to it. I mean, it was, yeah, like you said, it was just, you know. What, what was the CFL's was their, like that, uh, Howard? It was something like football You've been to a reimagined. CFL game? You've been
0: to a Canadian Football League I, game before? CFL game before? Never,
2: the only time I was at a CFL game was back when I was living in Las Vegas. And that was in oh, the mid '90s. Oh, no. <laughs> and if you recall, <laughs> they experimented a couple of years with putting some Canadian Football League teams in U.S. cities. And yeah. there was one in Las Vegas. And I went to a game, and it was so hot. In July, it was brutal, and they were playing in this horrible stadium, Sam Boyd Stadium, that had aluminum yeah. bench seating. So you can imagine how hot that was. So they had the cheerleaders going around with those with those little water, you know, with those little misters, you know, spraying the water on people just to try and cool them off. Now I think that was the only CFL game I've ever been at. I was at more yeah, arena football that- games than I, w- I went to a lot of arena football games back back in the day, and was doing some radio and TV for that league, and, in fact, knew about Kurt Warner before the whole world knew about Kurt Warner.
0: I love the Arena League. I love the heyday when it was on NBC. And, you know, remember Aaron Garcia, uh, Cutler, um, or, sorry, uh, Gruden. Excuse me, Cutler. I don't know yeah, where that came yeah, Jay from. Gruden. Jay, Jay Gruden was, the, was the, you know, the quarterback and then a coach quarterback. And I remember uh, Av- Joe Avizano. What was the coach's name? A special teams coach of the Cowboys. Joe Avizano? Was that his name? Yeah, I know I what you would remember.
2: Correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the guy with the white hair and guy, you know, remember the Dallas Desperados. And Jerry was like, all right, you just run this team and you take over. And like, you know, it was a fun league. I just I love all those leagues. We could talk football all night. We're kicking it with Howard Balzer right now, SI uh.com covering the Arizona Cardinals, as well as Sirius XM NFL uh radio. So how before we get you out of here, I wanted to end properly and not you know not run you out at the end of the break, but Just quickly, big games in a week this week, Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And how about the Cleveland Browns? You know, this this Cleveland Brown team, I don't think they're getting enough national attention, actually. The Cleveland Browns, if they were 3-9, and everyone would be laughing at them. They're 9-3, and and nobody's really paying attention.
2: You're 100% right. And I think part of it is because people are wondering, are they for real? But I also think part part of it is that, and this, this will happen at times, When a team is everybody's darling one season, like the Browns were last year, and then they fall flat on their face, everyone kind of forgets Oh, I'll forget about them, And so they they have a first-year head coach and all that, so no one really knows. But there's a lot of talent on that roster, and they're playing to level that talent. Kenneth Stefanski is doing a good job in his first year as a head coach. And, yeah, that's that's a heck of a matchup, uh, playing the Ravens uh, this week. And you know they'll, they'll. I mean, it's hard to imagine they won't be in the playoffs unless they totally uh, go, you know, go flat the rest of the season with an eight, you know, whatever they're nine and three now. I think they are, right? Yeah, yeah, nine and three. Yeah. Oh, so, they're going. They're going to the playoffs. Yeah, and like, like I said, unless it's really crazy happens, but they're playing good. They're playing good, solid football. So yeah, that game of the week. I agree with you on that Bills. Uh, that Bills game. And I'll tell you another one. There's a few that intrigue me, but I'm really curious. Well, there's two of them, Kansas City and Miami. And we've yeah, seen yeah. some teams maybe solve the Chiefs a little bit here, but you know they haven't been scoring as many points in recent weeks, and, but they still find a way to win. So then no one's you know they're, – they're, they're not sounding the alarm. I mean, if the Cardinals – had found a way to at least beat the Patriots the week before. Well, they'd be sitting there now seven and five, and no one would be panicking. Uh, but losing that game, I thought, uh, was, was 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 really bad. And so, uh, but with the Chiefs, they're still winning. He's a tough team. I don't know that they'll win, but they're a tough team. The other intriguing one is Minnesota and Tampa Bay. Because here's the Buccaneers. Oh, everybody's darling. Here we go. Everybody's in the offseason just because they signed Tom Brady. And I said from the start, I don't know that this team's going to be as good as everybody thinks because of the style that Brady is right now. The, the talent there as it is doesn't really mesh with what Brady does well. You know, exactly. Adams and Mike Evans and all these guys that can get on the field. Well, you know, Jameis Winston was successful with those guys. Jameis Winston would still be their quarterback if he didn't throw 30 interceptions last year. So I I I had some I wondered about that team. Well, Minnesota's hot. They lose that game, all of a sudden the Vikings. I mean, the the Buccaneers are seven and six, and the and the Vikings would be seven and six. And if the Cardinals can pull out a win over the Giants, they'll be seven and six. And all of a sudden, you this this is really interesting now, for uh, for not only one spot, but for two two spots in the playoffs, because everyone has just assumed the Buccaneers would be there and we'll, we'll see if they have enough to, to finish it out. The
0: great thing with legal sports betting now, Howard, is we don't have to say for recreational purposes uh, anymore. Uh, <laughs> I like the Vikings plus six and a half. And, I'm, you know, and everyone, oh, really? Oh, I don't know. They've only beaten bad teams at all against Tampa. And, man, Vikings, Zimmer against non-conference uh, opponents. He's got this thing going right now. Kirk Cousins, not pretty, but he's playing good football. I mean, you know, he, he makes he's, he's, he's He's moving the ball when they have to, and, you know, it's a big game. It really is a big game. And before we get you out of here, about that Chief game, I was thinking about it, too, with the Dolphins. Oh, you know, we're going to find out a lot about the Dolphins in this game. Uh, are they are they just another team that, hey, it's nice you guys got into the playoffs, or are you really here to, like, can you compete with everybody? But I almost I just have that gut feeling that, you know, Mahomes is due for a big game. Like, you know what I mean, Howard? It's been two weeks in a row, 27 points, 22 points. You know, the last time they scored, uh, the last time they only scored 26 points, they came back with 43-35, 33-35. Then they're at 27-22. You know that the Chiefs, it bothers them that they're only scoring 22 points. Like, I just feel like, I don't know, I can see Tyreek Hill just lighting it up and them having a big offensive day.
2: It would, it would obviously it would never surprise anyone if they do, but this, like I said earlier, this Miami team is a tough, grinded out team. And here's the thing: they do they they're really good with turnovers. Now, if they don't, if they don't get any, then yeah. the Chiefs will probably score enough points, obviously, to win. But if they can, they can get some mistakes there. It'll be very interesting. But I also like that that Vikings game. In fact, if I can say real quickly, 25 years ago, and I went back to St. Louis from Vegas, and a guy called me on a radio show I was doing, he said you should do an H bomb. Because everyone called me H, I said, "What the H?" <laughs> he, he, he said, "He said, pick a pick a favorite in the NFL that's six and a half points or more, and drop the bomb on him. Like you say, this favorite is going down." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, yeah, "You know what? Yeah. That sounds like fun." So I started doing it, and I actually won eleven weeks in a row. I've been doing oh. it for twenty five years. I'm now I'm now doing it still. I'm doing it on si dot com every week. With their with their gambling guy Frankie tadio and Bill Enright, we do a video and we each pick an H bomb each week, and I write a little story on it on the website with our picks just of teams that are six and a half points or more. My record, I think, is, I have to check it out because I got to get ready for tomorrow. I think my record is eight and four. Uh, no, well, it's thirteen weeks. No, I'm well, eight four I'm going to be one. checking uh, this four. out. Yeah, we're going to be eight, checking this out, out. <laughs> For yep. sure. Check it out. Check it out. I tell you what. Check out the H There's H-bomb. a few
0: this week too. Oh, I'm going to. Definitely we are. Check out the we got about a minute, Howard, here, but there's a few, dude. I think the Detroit Lions are a live one this week. We got 30 seconds. I think the Lions yeah. are gonna they're gonna be in this game all day long against the Packers. We got about 20 seconds, Howard, but that's one I'd be circling taking a look at. And I you know what? I think Tennessee might get all they can handle as well. Even from Jacksonville. Howard, it was great catching up with you. The time just flew by. We really appreciate your time. Happy holidays. We'll definitely do this again when you've got time. And I can't wait to read and uh, watch the H-bomb. I'm gonna be all over this, Howard. Thanks for the time, sir. All right, man. Always have time for you, Gabe. Take care. I appreciate it, Howard. Thanks, my man. There's Howard Balls. are great to catch up with a Man, that just flew by. We could talk football for like 13 hours without even going to the bathroom. <laughs> Bring it. Excellent stuff with Howard Balzer, man. Okay, but where's he been for all these years? What are we doing? Great to get Howard Balzer on the program. Great guy. Uh, you know, it's just nice to have. it. you know, we don't say this; it's not disrespecting our cappers that we have on the show. But you know what? We we get we all get into it of just you know who's going to cover, who's going to cover, who's going to cover, and don't talk just enough about you know the actual teams, the games. Uh, you know, I love the experience and the stories. Like I said, Howard Balzer, guys, he was on ESPN 1981, uh, their first ESPN draft. Balzer was there. He's got the jacket. Like, their set is like a wall. Like, uh, their set. I think they did their show at Kevin Walsh's house, actually. Kevin Walsh's studio. (laughs) How's Walsh doing tonight anyways? How's how's, how's Walsh doing tonight? Uh, You know, like I I said earlier, it's kind of a shame. I would have liked to see Jared Goff have to throw the ball a bit tonight. I mean, I would have liked just, you know, because if you look at Goff's stats tonight, but it's not Goff's fault. And I don't care, and, and, you know, the interception as well. The interception um, was not Jared Goff's fault. The interception, like, dude, he threw the ball to Woods, and Woods allowed the DB to take it from him. Like, that's not a quarterback's fault, right? So Goff, you know, like I said, I never said Goff's the best damn quarterback in the league. What I took offense to it all started with Walsh was that he was implying that Goff holds the Rams back. And I'm like, dude, they're 9 and 4 now. Like what are you talking about? Like, what do you think they're going to be are they supposed to be 13 and 0? Like <laughs> and he brings all oh, well, that Miami game. Oh, I know God forbid right in a 16 game schedule that the team sucks one day. All right? Like that's that's my thing with that. Um that Jared Goff is no detriment. He's not holding the Rams back. Sean McVay is figuring it out He's a young coach I love the adjustments that he's making right now going going with the ground game like this the, the the power attack with two tight ends it's almost impossible to stop all right they've got a good offensive line they've got two beefy tight ends they've got good running backs and then when you get tired of getting beat with that and you start stacking a the box they play action your ass and woods your cup are going to get open Late night anchor management class continues. Bring in.